Amen. I am uh, elated, overjoyed again to, uh, to be back at the Solid Rock family. Uh, I want to let you in on a secret. This is my first time ever preaching two messages in one day. <laughs> Amen. So uh, let's just pray that God will be kind to me uh, once again. Amen. Amen. I want to thank uh, 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 Pastor Jason uh, for the invite uh, uh, due to the uh, circumstances, but we actually planned this a while back. So again, God is in control. Amen. That would have been a bill in a minute. Amen. Uh, and so I just want to thank him and, and thank you all just for being so welcoming and so kind, so so, so, uh, so loving. And yes, we all know, you know, that that, that may know that, that, that God is just. He's amazing, uh, man. He's amazing, man. I was I was sharing with man with the first church, uh, uh, first service, that y'all. I mean, I mean, only by God and His grace am I standing here on on a pulpit, preaching a message. Uh, I have a, a, a I've, I have a wife. We've now been married for six years. We have a daughter together. She's two. I have a son that's twenty one. Do the math. I'm thirty eight. I wasn't always saved, amen. And, and, and so and so, uh, 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 that, that, that I always get a laugh, amen. And so, so y'all uh, pray for me as I go through this go through this terrible two stage with my daughter, amen. She is living up to the name, amen. Terrible act two, amen, amen. But yet there I am trying to be tender and loving, amen. Uh, uh, but it is but never do not get it twisted. She is the boss. <laughs> and my mom and her mom say, yeah, just for one more year. At three, at three I'm going to get them legs. So right now, she, she's, uh, she's having her way. They are now in Houston, Texas. Uh, they are, uh, she needed, uh, she wanted to just, she wanted to spend time with her mom and dad. And so uh, 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 she went uh, to Houston over the weekend. And that's why she's not present with me. And so uh, we're going to, uh, please turn your Bibles. Uh, to Acts 2, amen, uh, verse 42, amen. You should know this verse by heart, amen, the marks of a disciple, amen. That's what you all have been going through over these past few weeks, uh, the marks of a disciple. And so today we're going to hit on, uh, uh, on, on prayer, amen, that, that, last, uh, that, that last phrase in verse 42 of this of this text, amen. And so, uh, 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 not trying to again to supersede, and not saying that Billy's prayer was not uh, 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 was not good enough. Uh, enough, amen. I just love praying uh, uh, shortly, just before I get into God's word, amen. So let's just bow for a a word of prayer after we read this this one scripture. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Let's pray. Father God, now God, we uh, thank you once again. God, just for you being God, and we thank you for Christ and what uh, uh, he means to us. To thank him for saving us, God, for changing us, God. Thank 
him, God, for putting in us a desire to live, God, for him, God, and for your glory. We thank you even now for the Holy Spirit that lives, that rests, that abides, that even now, God, we are praying that would fill us, God, as we, God, are here and declare your word. God, will you please be favorable, God? Will you please be gracious? Will, will you please show yourself great uh, in the ministering of your word? God, it is about you and not about us. Please get the glory, God. For God, we make God go out challenge to do what you've called us, God, to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Acts, uh, uh, our, our main text will be, uh, uh, will be Acts 4. So, we've read Acts chapter 2, 42, that last phrase in the prayers. Again, uh, uh, so turn your Bibles down to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and we're going to turn to verse 23. Verse, Acts, verse, Acts 4, verse 23. And so, when you... Opened up your Bibles, and, 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 and Jason asked me just to go along with the series and to talk about prayers. I thought it was only fitting that I would uh, 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 pick a prayer out of Acts, uh, out of Acts that would really, uh, 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 I, I believe, that would really speak to you. Uh, I hope that will speak to you on today, that would move you, that would challenge you, uh, that would actually persuade you to go out and to live and to be bold for Christ. And so I decided through prayer to, to look at the first prayer of the first century church. When a person does something for the very first time, that probably is pretty important. So, so I wanted to see, God, what was the first prayer after Pentecost that your people prayed? I, I want to see how did you lead, what did you lead, God, uh, uh, the first century church to pray at their first prayer. And so I found this prayer in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. So let me give you the setting of this prayer. You all know that in Acts chapter 2, uh, Pentecost has happened, or Acts 1. And then, well, Acts 2, he's preaching now, and now you have uh, 3,000 souls getting saved, and, and, yeah, and they're, they're really blowing up. I mean, the last verse of Acts 2 47 says, uh, says that in the law added to the church daily as he saw fit. So this church is blowing up. I mean, God is really using the, the disciples to expand his kingdom, the one true church. And so in Acts chapter 3, you see the leaders, Paul and John, uh, 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 walking along, going to the temple as they do ready for prayer. And so they found this dude who's been laying at this gate for, for a while. The folks would actually drop this, drop this fellow off, leave him at the gate where this guy would continually beg for money. So he messes around and he meets Peter, Peter and James. I mean, I mean, Peter and John and what for? He went there asking them, man, for money, man. And man, Peter said, hey, you know what, brother? Right now I'm broke. I don't have money, but I do have a Messiah. So, so, so let, let me give you who I have. And so, and so they gave this, this man, Jesus, and all of a sudden this man, he lived up, the Bible says, went inside the temple, jumping and praising God for the miracle that took place in this man's life. Now, the leaders are mad. They're upset. You got this man who was 
who was begging. Now he's healed and he's going around talking about God, knowing that John and Peter is now proclaiming this gospel that's new to everybody in Jerusalem, but now it's making movement. This Christ's name is spreading fast, and miracles don't slow it down. Because of the miracle, he, Christ's name is picking up pace. It's, it, so he's spreading, and so these leaders, they come together, and, they, and they, they come together, and they decide to throw Peter and John in prison for doing a miracle for a man. But it wasn't really for the miracle. It was because they did it in the name of Jesus. This new threat to the leadership at Jerusalem. So in Acts chapter 4, you see them being thrown in prison. They're in prison for a night for, for talking about Jesus. So, so, so they get out of prison, and, 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 and I want you to, to see uh, 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 what happened. Uh, uh, in verse 16 of Acts chapter 4, it says this, saying, what shall we do with these men, Peter and John? For they, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more anyone to of this name. Verse, verse 18. And so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Here's my boy response, Peter. But Peter said to them, Rather, it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God. You must judge. <laughs> For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Now, they didn't stop. Even with the threat of them telling, even with the threat of them being threatened not to speak or to teach anymore in this name, Peter them said, no, what man, you judge. That's your issue. You let God handle you. I'm going to do what God say do. So now the, they get back to this crowd. And so you see this in verse 23. They, they get back to this crowd in verse 23. And here's what it says. It says, when they were released from prison, that is, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and, and the elders had said to them. Now, y'all, Peter and John are the leaders. They, they are the ones that are, that, that are in charge. They're the ones that's leading this movement. And now their leaders had just got put in a prison. Now they're out of prison. They're back with them. So, so what do you think they would pray for now that their leaders are back safe? They should pray that, God, will you please protect our leaders? God, will you please ensure that, they, that we don't lose Peter and John no more, God? They are our leaders. God, we can't lose them again for a whole night. They're our direction. What did they pray for? It says here, verse, verse 24. And when they heard it, that is, heard what the elders had said to them, they lifted their voice together to God. They lifted their voice together. They were of the same mind. And we're going to see in a minute what they prayed for y'all, but here's, here's the first point I, I want to make. That if, that, that if we're going to be a, 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 a disciple, if we're going to be a discipling church, we have to be a unified church. 
And most times when there, when there is persecution and troubles and pains, normally that will cause division in the church. But we see that at the first century church, that persecution and pain, even to the extent of being put into prison, brought unity. It brought unity. This was a unified church. And so I, I want to say, I, I want to ask a question, how unified is Solid Rock? You got old people, young, I mean, I'm sorry, you got older people, and you have younger people. You have, you, you have, you have, you have skinny, you, you have a little bit of a weight, amen, that's not the bad, amen. And so, so you got you all these people coming together to worship God. Now, coming from different backgrounds, some rich, some poor, some small, some not so small, but amen. You, we're all together and worship, and God desires for there to be what? Unity. Now, how does, that, how does that happen? Well, let me just relieve you for the moment. We in ourselves cannot produce unity. It is something that God produces for us to preserve. So when there's, when there's this coming in to solid rock, when there's this coming in at home, God says, when you get there, Peace is there. That's on you to maintain it. Now, how do I maintain it? I am so glad to ask. <laughs> really, I am. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I saw your eyes. Well, 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 how do you, how do you maintain? How do you, how do you preserve unity? Well, let's just go for one moment to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I promise you, this will not be a topical sermon. But I got to let you know about how, how the Bible prescribes, how the Bible says that we are to preserve the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 just for a moment. Just for a moment. We won't be, we won't be there long, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read the first three verses, but then we're going to really focus in on verse 2. It says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called or invited. That God, he has, he has invited you into a calling. He, and you accepted God's invitation to this calling. It says this, with all humility, he says, and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. He gives us just a few things that we are to do or to have or to really walk in in order for us to preserve, maintain, make sure that unity stays and don't leave. Number one, we're called in humility to be gentle. Now, I know it's easy to be kind to folk when folk are, when folk are kind to you. We all get alone in, but how about when that person gets on your last, get, my mom calls it, your last cockeyed nerve. <laughs> Don't know what it means, amen, but, but, but it sounds good, amen. What do you do when that person gets on your last cockeyed nerve? Can a nerve really be cockeyed? Oh, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, let me get back to the message. 
is that we're called that even in the midst of us not seeing things eye to eye, that we're still called in humility to treat you good. If I'm really trying to preserve unity, if I'm really trying to maintain what God has placed, I have to, in, in humility, first of all, be gentle. But also, he says, I have to also be patient. That is, I have to be willing to suffer long with you. Hint, hint. Nobody here is perfect. And we all are being sanctified. We are all, God is, God is still changing us. And in the midst of God changing all of us to Christ, he calls us to suffer. Suffer long. While I am maturing you and them, I need you to be patient with them. And yeah, if you really want to be a first century church, God is going to send you some messed up, jacked up folk. <laughs> He's saying, when they come, because they will come, be gentle and be patient. The same way I am with you. In humility, with patience, in humility, with kindness, patience, and then it says, forbearing with one another. They laughed at me at the last service. This word bearing actually is a word for forbearance. It means that you have to tolerate, put up with folk and they mess. We try in church to get folk to leave their mess in the car. God said, no, 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 Because then when they go back in the car, the mess still there. I'm going to this inside church. Have you in humility, with gentleness, and with patience, and forbearance to love them. To love them. Why, God, why? Because this is going to help maintain and or preserve the unity I've already placed at Solid Rock. Isn't it amazing to know that when you come up, when you drive up, when you come in here, unity is here. Most times it's us that mess it up. But God said that if you would in humility be gentle, that is kind. If you would, if you would be patient, don't suffer. If you, be, if you would be willing to forbear with one another in love so that the spirit of unity may so that you may preserve the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. I've asked myself, because, you know, at the house, and I've been married for for six years, and I'll be a lot to tell you, it's it's been all roses and daisies. (laughs) That's a lie. It it has not been. I found thorns here and there, amen. And the midst of getting poked by a thorn, this is for us to be divided. But God said, no, 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 when, when, when a thorn appears, no, no, be gentle, no, 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 be kind, be patient, and put up with her while I transform you and her to be on one accord. Listen, if we're going to go anywhere, Sally Rock, we got to get along. Put aside your own preference, because that's your preference. 
pretty style, pretty style, your own, like, you know, style of things, how, how, how you think it should be done. Pray for it and let God go on and, and let the work go on. But you guys, I know what, with all intentionality, I'm going to have a made-up mind that when I, at home, at job, at, at school, at work, at church, I'm going to, with humility, I'm, I'm going to get outside of myself and be gentle, patient, and forbearer in love. And I'm going to do this with an unconditional spirit. Don't make patience. Don't make gentleness. Don't make you willing to put up or to forbear whenever. Don't make it conditional. You then disrupt the unity. This church lifted up their voice together to God. And because they understood the importance, and because in the Bible, the idea of unity is interwoven all through Scripture, now they lift up their voice together to God. In unity, they do this. And let's hear their request. After, after you see what they're going through, they're still one together, y'all. Hey, they still get along together. They're still one. So, look, so let's look at the request. It says here in, in Acts, Acts chapter 4, look at verse 24 again. It says, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and why and, and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves up, and the rulers were together, together against the law and against the anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus, Verse, verse 27, for truly in this city were they gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Here it is. God had all of these enemies to come against Christ. And y'all listen to me. You got folk that think it's folly that God would allow such a thing to happen to Jesus. That, that, that how can God be loving? How can God, who's a, who is holy, love his son in such a way where he allows his son to die on the cross? Has God lost control over the situation? God, do you see in Acts, I mean, in Luke, how the Bible describes they, they, they hoodwinked him, they slapped him, Christ, they got sticks, beat him in the face, and Isaiah says, beyond recognition. And the question is, where is God? Is this really part of God's plan where they would actually strip him naked, flog him, and hang him? Is this really a part? of God's plan. Is God really in control? You ask, you, you ask a very good question. <laughs> Look at verse tw 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God, 
all of that that happened to Christ going to Calvary, none of that was just brought, none of that God took you by surprise. As a matter of fact, Isaiah says it pleased you that he would suffer in such a way that you ordained this to happen to my Savior, my King, my Lord. He said, yeah, but he was my son first. And I allowed that to happen for a reason. Here's what the church, the first century church knew or understood that God was sovereign. Do you believe that? That there is nothing that happens that God does not know about. Jonathan Edwards, he describes God's sovereignty as this. Y'all can read it with me, read it with me on, the, uh, uh, um, on the screen. It says, the sovereignty of God is his absolute independent right of disposing of all his created and creatures according to his own purpose. David says this in Psalm 55 Verse 3, but my God, he sits in heaven and does whatever he wishes. So A.W. Pink comes back and bag up what the psalmist said. Here's what, here's, what A, here's what Arthur Pink says about God's sovereignty. It says, to say that God is sovereign is to, is to declare that God is God. To say that God is sovereign is, is to declare that he is the almighty, the, the possessor of all power in heaven and earth, so that no one can defeat his counsels, thwart his purpose, or resist his will. <laughs> That's how good to me. So whatever the enemy has for you, God, the enemy can't thwart my plan for your life. He just can't do it. I am, oh, I made him. I kicked him out with, with a finger. This man can't stop me. So why are y'all tripping? <laughs> when stuff go wrong, I, I got this man on a leash. He only can do so much as Job. As Job, he tell you, only what God allowed him to do could Satan do. See, if you really understand this, it would, it would, it, it would, it, hopefully, it would rearrange how you pray. Because there's nothing you're going through that God has okayed or is allowing for his glory and his purpose. I used to, I used to, well, I'm, I'm lying. I still do stuff. Amen. There it is. There it is. But I, I had this thing real bad coming up in, in school. I mean, man, I, I would talk. I mean, I, mean, I, just, I just couldn't say a word without hitting something. And folk would laugh and laugh and laugh at me. I'm like, God, I, I'm really ashamed. And, my, 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 and here, is, here is the advice of my mom. Just say thank you. Okay, really? Okay, yeah. Say thank you and they'll stop. Okay, mama, I'm going to try. Mama, they didn't stop. Amen. They kept it on teasing me and how I talked. And then I, I messed around and got saved. And the guy, I was telling the guy, man, man I think God is calling me to preach, man, but man, I stutter. I mean, my, man, man, I can't even say a sentence right. I mean, how can God use me? I mean, are, are you serious? He said, man, 
Valentine, will you please read Exodus 1 through 3? Will you please read about Amos also? Amos and Moses had this speech impediment. The same as you, but God will tell you, Valentine, that he made the mouth. He made the mute. God has control over your mouth. Valentine. And y'all listen to me. My wife knows me now. <laughs> My stuttering is a hint that I'm lying. <laughs> it's a hint that I'm saying something that I should not be saying. It's, it's God's way of telling me, son, you're out of place somewhere. So he's used my stuttering to be a blessing and not an excuse to why God cannot. Because here's the truth. Stuttering can't thwart God's plan. It can't stop what God wants to do. There's no physical, there's no physical ailment that I can have or you can have that God can say, well, I'm sorry, you can't use that, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. God somehow, someway takes your weakness to demonstrate his strength for his glory. See, he's still sovereign. And, 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 and my stuttering did not shout, oh, you said, oh, son, son, oh, son, I messed up. I said, no, 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 no. Son, I knew it the whole time, but I'm still going to use you. So you won't boast about your gift. You're boasting me. Son, I gave you that gift. Some will call it for a reason. See, see, that can't stop God's sovereignty. That can't stop God's purpose or God's plan, no matter what it is. So listen to me. I don't care what you're facing. It can't stop God. God's going to do it. He's going to do it. Now, most Reformed people, will take God's sovereignty and misuse it. Well, if God's going to do it, why should I pray to him? I mean, I mean, he's God. I mean, why should I pray to him? Well, John Piper answered that question in a quote. And I quote, prayer is, is a joyful surrender. See, when you recognize God's sovereignty, the response should be now surrender. <laughs> Not not, not, not laziness, but it's a yeah, okay, all right, God, you're in control, you're sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, so let me, God, just, just yield, let me surrender to you. Here it is. It says, so, so prayer is a joyful surrender to God's sovereign purpose. Uh, purpose. It says, we are, we are acknowledging that God has the right, so here it is, because we know that God is sovereign, we acknowledge that God has the right to do whatever seems good to, to mama. No, daddy, no, 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 no. It's, 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 it's to do whatever that seems good to him. It was in June this year. June, July, and August. Because my wife and I, we were struggling financially since 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 the previous year. We were struggling bad, so we sold our home, short sale on our home, and uh, we, we had to find somewhere to go, because they said, y'all have to leave, so we had to find somewhere to go. So we you know, already wanted to plant a church already, so in, in Grand Prairie, so we moved to Grand Prairie, got an apartment. Y'all, we signed a 15-month lease, 
not knowing how we were going to pay for it the next month. Did not know how. Did not know how God was going to make that happen. We're still in the apartment. Haven't missed rent. Matter of fact, got money for, for next month rent already. Amen. It's in those tight situations where God said, I need you to press to me now. I'm going to have to take away all of your, 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 your ways out from getting to me. I'm, and I'm going to strip you down to me where I'm the only way out of this. Yeah, I'm not saying we're rich. Cost we not. We have to just sell our car. We have to do a lot of stuff in order for God to do it. But now my wife and I realized that in all of this, God was in control. And it caused us to surrender joyfully to his sovereignty and not to despise his sovereignty. See, you can you, you, you have a choice in that. And so, and so, and so John says. We're saying that, that regardless of what God does tomorrow, we know it's part of what people call the gospel promise, that all things, in Romans 28, they work together for God's good, for our good, but for God's glory. Listen, when you understand God's sovereignty in prayer, you realize, God, that though I'm here praying, God, ultimately, God, I pray that your will be done. And that whatever you have going on in my life, that I know because Romans 8, 28 says that you can cause this to work for my good and for your glory, I surrender. When was the last time you surrendered to God's sovereignty? Do you really believe that the situation that you're in may be, and it may be, it may be, may, it may be a bad one that God is there with you? He has not lost control of that situation? He's, he's still there with you. I've come to know that God would never put us in when he doesn't join us or that he has not caught or, or that he will not catch us when we get there. He's already there. And God has a purpose for everything in your life. Do you believe that? If you do believe that, it should change the way you pray. Now, Peter and John just got out of prison. They lift up their voice together. They, they recall Isaiah. They recall Psalm 2, and they give back. God, this was a part of your plan the whole time. And so, God, we understand that all this was already, uh, uh, God, predestined because your word says it. But then, so what does this leave them to do? Look what it says. Uh, look at verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. You would think that, hey, God, listen, these guys are threatening me. Can you please just, can you please just wipe them out? Can you please kill them? God, can you please get rid of God, our problem? God, can you please do something with my boss? God, can you please remove them? God, do something different, please. That is not what they pray for. They say, God, listen to me. I know it was boldness. 
that got us in prison, and we're praying even now for more boldness. Because going to prison don't stop us, God, from, from God talking about you. So give, will you please grant us, even in the midst of the thrift, give us more boldness to speak your word, God. God, God, I'm not asking you to give it of Pastor's power. I'm asking you, God, to give me confidence that I may continue to speak your word. This is the prayer request and the myth of suffering, the myth of the leaders going to prison. God, just give us more boldness. Is that yours? When you're going through tough times, things get real bad. What do you do? What do you pray for? Do you pray for boldness? God, even in the midst of whatever I'm going through, give me the confidence still to proclaim your name. I don't want my circumstance to dictate how I proclaim my Christ. And for most people, not us in here, outside of here, not, not us, we all good. In the midst of our circumstance, we hide Christ and we complain. They prayed. It wasn't a prayer for, to get better, make things better. It was a prayer, give us more boldness. And then, watch this. Because boldness, we see in this text, boldness comes with, with a cost, but also boldness comes with a blessing. We'll see it in a minute. So they pray for, for boldness in verse 29. And then, oh, 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 and then look at this. This is crazy. Verse 30. While, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, it was miracles that got y'all put in prison. And y'all want God to do more miracles? Are you serious? Listen, listen if you don't pay for, for boldness and for more miracles, you might not go to prison. That's not the concern. If prison is my lot, well, so be it. God, give me more boldness and belief that you do miracles through us by the hand of Jesus and for your glory. In the midst of them going through what they're going through, they pray for, they pray for boldness and belief. I was telling the first service, y'all, listen, I got, a, I got a, a huge problem here in the text, or period, in, in the Bible, especially in Acts. In Acts chapter 3, he heals this lame guy. In Acts chapter 5, he causes somebody to drop dead. In Acts chapter 5, he raises darkness slash Tabitha from the dead. In Acts chapter 9, he, he heals, uh, he saves Saul. In Acts chapter 9, y'all, he actually, uh, 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 in Acts chapter 9, he actually uh, 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 frees Lydia from this demon. In Acts chapter 12 and 16, he frees Peter and Paul out of prison. I'm seeing miracle after miracle. And Acts 26, a snake bites Paul, and he, he just, and he healed. I'm like, God, what, what is that today? I, I mean, I read the Bible, but God, I don't say that. 
I'm not going to the zoo. And I asked a co cobra, bite me. Let's see what I'll leave. I'm not doing that. Not going to do it. But, but here's my tension. Why are we not seeing the miracles of the Bible today? Has God stopped performing miracles? Has he stopped? Now, I understand that we want to say, well, God, he does a miracle when he saves, and he does. When God, in salvation, God snatches us from hell to heaven, from Satan to a savior. He does the greatest miracle. But understand this, y'all, when you see miracles done in the Old Testament, when you see miracles done in the New Testament, it wasn't for already saved folk. It was for unsaved people. When was the last time you've seen the miracles? Or do we even believe enough for God to do them? I got to separate it. I, 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 was, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to look bad. If I try to die, I mean, I don't want to look bad. But, but y'all, but listen, but, but when this church asks for boldness and belief, we'll see in a minute that God, he answers the prayers. Is God still doing the same thing today for us? Is God still doing miracles? Or is it that we don't have faith in God to do them? Can God... Heal cancer. I remember I was at Parkland and I was at, I was at this church and uh, this lady she had cancer. Her name was Anna. Anna Oldman, and and I was going to Parkland and I was in, in this room and, and y'all and this is, I said God you know you no know, I felt this unction I believe that God was telling me to to pray that that this council might be healed, but then there was this crowd enough. There, there was this crowd enough. So if I prayed and God, it didn't heal it, God, then, then what? They're going to think I'm a false prophet. I mean, I mean, what, what got me? And so, what, so I let my unbelief stop me from praying for this lady, for her cancer to be healed. Now, I don't know if God would have or wouldn't, would not have healed her, but I didn't have the faith to believe that God would. I'm trusting more in, in, in chemo and in doctors rather than the doctor and the chemo remover. I, I didn't pay for it because I lacked faith that God could heal us. Can, can God still heal cancer? Can God deliver somebody from AIDS? Can God remove it? Can he really do it? The answer is... He can, but do you believe him? Do you believe him? They're going to call me a fool in a minute because I'm going to go out there under God's leading and start praying as God leads me to, to pray that God, that a miracle will be performed, not for me, not for my fame, but that folk might come to you. A miracle is for him, never for us. We don't sell a handkerchief. We don't sell holy water and make a profit off of God's, God's gift or God's blessing. We do it that God may get the glory. Do you believe that God 
is still doing miracles. They pray for boldness and belief. Look at God's response. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, here it is, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. When you see this, this shaking, it's an Old Testament idea, or it's, a, uh, 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 or it's an Old Testament. When you see it in Old Testament, it's, it's, a, it's an idea that God is, God is responding to prayer. So when you see buildings shaking, things moving in the Bible, it's God saying, I am, going, I'm, I am, I am already ready to display my, my power to y'all right now. I'm telling you, I've heard your prayers. Listen, because God shakes this building, y'all, God says, I've heard your prayer. Listen, I'm ready to work. So God, he shakes the, the building for them to see uh, just a glimpse of his power. But then, but then look what it says. They were all at the same time filled. That is, this term filled, it means to be controlled. Is that, is that, is that, is that? When God fills us, that it means that when God fills us, when God fills us, He's simply trying to control us. God, He wants to control our thoughts, our words, our movements. At this time, we're just living dead people. God is using for His glory. So when God fills you, the idea is that I, I, I'm gonna give you enough of me for me to uh, to impact other lives. Now, my my wife does not get this concept naturally. My wife plays this game called fill-up. Uh, it's, it's, it's really called how far can you go? My wife and I will go on Sunday afternoons and we will get, and we will get gas on Sundays. And my wife loves this game. She'll get gas on, on, on Sunday afternoon, knowing she's driving extra places during the week, and she'll drive that gas hand till the light comes on, and for one more day she'll drive it again just to see how far she can go. <laughs> she gets one feeling to see how far can I really drive this car on one feeling. And so y'all, one day I was telling them, one day she ran out of gas on, on I think it was a Saturday, whatever, whatever, and a cowboy game was on. So I'm sitting there, you know, with my Coke and popcorn, watching the Cowboys play. I get a phone call. Hey, Dee. I know what you call me. You sound good nice. Oh, there, there is. There's something wrong. Dee, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I, I'm doing good. Well, Dee, Dee, I, I ran out of gas. I said, well, you, uh, man, we, we have insurance. Tell me, told you. I mean, Tell them to tell you. Tell them to call somebody. They'll fill you up with a gallon of gas, and they come get you. No, y'all, I'm playing. Hey, Amen. Uh, I said, so, 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 where are you? She said, well, I'm in Irvin. I said, I said, hey, I, I asked you when you see the light come on. Do I, do I know? Do I know? Do I know? I know. But I said, I said, at least I'm watching the Cowboys game. She said, D, I know, but a bit, but I'm, I, I'm stuck. Can you come get me? That's what I did too. I laughed. <laughs> but God, being God, said, son. I need you to go get her. Because, son, what she did naturally, you do spiritually. Have you tried to go off of one feeling for God all week long? 
You, you, could, you come here on a Sunday, you hear worship, get a word from the fantastic, marvelous, and well-spoken well orator, Jason Williams, and you get your feeling, and you try to go all week on that. How far can you go? How many of us have tried to go from Sunday to Sunday, and we end up in a ditch somewhere spiritually? Why? Because we went, we tried to go too long on one feeling. The idea of feeling in Ephesians chapter 5, 18 is the idea that as often as you need, you ask God to fill you up. The idea is every day, sometimes twice, sometimes three times a day, you ask God to fill me with you that you might control me. Control my anger. Control the way I think. God, control how I feel. God, listen to me. I need your feeling to help me to do what you want done. Listen to me. It's hard to forgive somebody on E. It's hard to love unconditionally on E. It's hard to be kind when folks do you wrong on E. You want to know how you know you're on E? When you cuss folk out. When you go eye for eye and tooth for tooth, that's not, you are not on fool, you on E. God is saying, get filled up, get it. Stop by and get, stop by wherever he is and get filled up again. Because when God fills you, he controls you. I, I actually experienced this one day. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say this. Now, now this, this does not go anywhere outside of this church, Amen. We good? We good. <clears throat> and in and, and, and 2001, I had probably been saved for about two years. Now, I know it's hard for you to believe, so, don't, so just, just, just now, I, I, I know it's hard, I know it's hard, but I got put in jail, amen? I did, amen. Again, I, I, I wasn't saved. So I got locked up in jail, but I found Christ in jail, so we were playing basketball on this court outside, and so you got this guy named his name was Stop Six. Stop Six was about 5'10", 5'11", weighed about 220, 230. I was about 6'2 and a half, weighing about 2'60". So we're playing basketball, and so he didn't like how I was, you know, doing him on the court. I know I was, you know, I was second, you know, I was killing him on the court. And so, and so I went for a layup one time, and Stop Six pushed me down, called me out my name, pushed me and called me out my name. He's 5'10", 5'11", every bit of 210, 220 wet. I'm 260, 270. And people are watching me. See how, you know, yeah, we, 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 we in jail, you know. You, you, know, you, you don't get pushed in jail and not fight back. That, you call it a punk then, you know what I'm saying? You, you wuss, do something, do something. So, so this, this dude, he, he pushed me on the ground. I get up, and y'all, he's, he, he's ready. Because, boy, he see me, 6'2", come this way. I said, man, I forgive you. I walked off. I, I didn't play basketball no more than in jail. It was a day later. Stop 6 came by and said, Valentine, you're a real Christian. And I'm sorry. And from that moment on, this dude bought me commissary every week. <laughs> I said, are you serious? So because I didn't do what I want, 
and did what you wanted, you blessed me. You can't do that on evil. Only on fool. When you on eat, you operate like Peter. How many times should I forgive him? Sometimes God will be good. Now on fool, Peter is 70 times seven. On fool. You see what I'm saying? So when they asked this prayer y'all for boldness, y'all, the Bible says this, that God, he shook the place, y'all, and that he filled them with the Spirit, and he gave them boldness, and they kept proclaiming the word from that point on. Here's my plea. Here's my, here's my beseeching to you. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? God, give me boldness to proclaim the gospel no matter who it is or how much it costs. Because boldness comes with a cost. I might lose some friends in this. I might lose some homies. I might lose some homegirls, God. But you know what? They're going to hear Christ when they, when they see me. It's going to cost you something or somebody. But are you willing to encounter, to take the cost for Christ? When was the last time you asked God? Give me belief to know that you are still doing miracles. And God, I want to see signs and wonders, God, because I want you to be glorified and people to be drawn to you. It's never about you when miracles are done through you. It's all because you didn't do what God did. He just used you as a vessel. When was the last time you prayed that? When was the last time with boldness and confidence that you shared the gospel with somebody? When? When? When was the last time? I'm closing. I was at Starbucks last night. Sitting up here finishing up on this, getting ready for this. And I saw this elderly guy named Greg. He goes to Grace Community Baptist, Grace Community Church in Austin, Texas. He was going around Starbucks. It was packed in Starbucks. And I, I, I'm, I'm seeing him. He's, he's, he's going around Starbucks, y'all, with this fake million-dollar bill, going around asking everybody he see, white, black, Chinese, and he didn't know who it was, y'all, right, asking them what he called the million-dollar question, which is, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? It's like 1030 at night at Starbucks over off of Matlock. That, that nice one, y'all, that, 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 that brand new one, yeah, it, 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 it is nice. He's over there inside of Starbucks asking everybody, table fools, if you die tonight, where would you go? And people were actually listening to him. So, y'all, I'm sitting there reading my Bible, doing the God thing, I guess. And so, I, so I, I'm done. Now I leave, and so... He comes to me and says, hey, man, can I share with you what I'm doing right now, man? I'm kind of busy, man. I'm hungry, man. I'm going to go home, man. And so I take about five steps, and God said, you wrong for that. At least hear him out. I said, God, cool, God, cool. So when I turn back around, he's already got somebody else named Melissa on the bench. It's, it's 10, 45, 10, 50 at nighttime. He's witnessing about Christ. So, so, and she gives this guy her full attention. And around about 11.05, here's, here's the short end to this long story. 11.05, Melissa 
because of Greg's boldness, came to Christ. And I was convicted. I'm sitting up here doing the God thing, reading my Bible, and there are folk in Starbucks sitting next to me, might be going to hell, and I ain't said a word to them. But I'm reading my Bible. Come to church is the easy part. Giving to some is the easy part. But sharing to a lost world that hates God and the fact that you talk about him, that's the hard part. But in the midst of your witnessing, y'all, I promise you, I sensed God working on Melissa's heart while Greg was talking to her. She was listening. I I saw a callous heart turn soft just like that. When he told her there's a God that want to take your guilt, put it on him, and give you his righteousness, she melted. She, she melted, y'all. I mean, this guy was giving her, there's this, he said, there's this parachute and you're about to die. And here's a man on this parachute that's willing to give you his parachute that he met down the plane and set you free. And she's melting. He said, Melissa, that man is Jesus. Will you accept the parachute? Will you look to the cross for Christ for salvation and forgiveness of sin? Will you look to him? And she said, yes. All because Greg was bold enough to share Christ. And right there at 11 or 5 at night, I saw a miracle. Somebody loosed out of Satan's hand and welcomed into Christ's hand. When's the last time you've seen a miracle? Are you afraid? Why? Your God is sovereign. He's in control. That notice shock him. What shocks us is that we don't get, that we're afraid of no. Why? You wasn't, you wasn't when you weren't saved. Now you get saved, you, you, you tell what's the owners. Where's your confidence? Or maybe we should do as the first century church did, and that's pray for boldness and belief that God is still wanting and willing to do miracles. So what I've done for the Stonegate family, I mean, uh, for, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What I've done for the Solid Rock family, I've made it up a prayer for us to to pray. No, 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 no. I can't judge your heart, so I ain't trying to, but Christ, God wants this, and I believe that maybe God won't shake a building, but, 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 but maybe God would stir a heart. Maybe God would trouble a soul that this will, will be done, not inside, but outside the church. 
that God would give you a bold, a confidence that does not come from seminary, it comes from a savior. That, that does not come from seminary, it comes from, from the blood, from the bought blood of Christ, shed it over your life for you to be used for maybe that. Why, when we look at a savior who died and got up again from the dead, why should that not give us boldness to talk about him? Why? Why are we not? This man died for you, a wretch, a met, a sinner, helpless, weak, and you were a nobody, a fool, some would say, an idiot, the Bible says, a moron, and yet God chose you for salvation, and yet now you're cowardly. For what? This man loves you so much that the Bible says that, says that while you was weak, helpless, and his enemy, he died for you. And you won't talk about him? You're still nothing without him. Apart from him, the Bible says you can do nothing. So you're nothing without him. And yet, you're now, you, you, have, you haven't asked God for boldness to talk about him? Prayerfully, that will change today. My family hate me, kind of. They see me, they hear Jesus. Hey, I got nothing else to talk about. Because you ain't saved. Let's talk about Jesus. And walk away. I said, I'll see you again. I'll see you again. Monday. Let's talk about Jesus. Hey, I'll see you again. So let's pray this. Let's pray this. Here it is. Before we set our lives together, I want you to read it. Just read it. And if you believe it, you can sit or you can stand. But we're going to read this out loud together. Amen. If you are in, if you are in agreement with this prayer, I'm going to ask you whether sitting or no matter. Can you just stand, please? I mean, I, I mean, I mean. So if, if you say it, you have no choice. Amen. If you're part of Solid Rock, you have no choice. Amen. But if you're a visitor, hey, we, hey, we, we, we give you a choice. You don't have to stand. We don't. The desire is for God to make nobody do anything. He, he woos you to do it. He persuades you to do it. He don't force you to do anything. So, in last service, I, I asked them to count in Spanish. Since I know another language, we're going to count again in Spanish. Amen. So, on the count of three in Spanish, we're going to read this quote twice. Amen. Ready? Okay. Uno. Dos. I like y'all. Three. Three, please. Sovereign God, enable Solid Rock to be of one mind. Help us to proclaim the gospel with boldness and stretch out your hand to do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Let's say it again. Sovereign God, enable Solid Rock to be of one mind. Help us to proclaim the gospel with boldness and stretch out your hand to do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus and for your glory.